Hey, I'm Rachel, and this is Podcast Here. Each week on the show, I have a casual conversation with an adventurer about our experiences in the outdoors, challenges, life in general, and doing the things that scare us. I hope that this ever-changing podcast brings you stories that you can relate to, human connection, and inspiration to do the things that scare you. Welcome to the last episode of Podcast Here for 2019. How crazy is that? It has been almost an entire year since I started the podcast. It's been a bumpy road, and I appreciate you guys sticking with me through this crazy journey. (laughs) This week's episode features Tessa. She is a badass thru-hiker who was on the AT at the same time as me. She hiked the AT in two sections, and I've actually interviewed one person from each of her tramleys from the two sections that she hiked. She had so much advice to pass on, and I'm definitely going to be implementing it in my life. She really opened my eyes and showed me some perspective on how you can bring your lessons home from the trail, and how you can be just as happy at home in the waiting, in between hikes, as you can be on your through hike, and that was such an important thing for me to hear. She also dropped some other wisdom that I hope you guys will listen to to bring in your new year, 2020. Tessa hiked the Appalachian Trail, the Long Trail, and the Pacific Crest Trail. We talk about how it felt to prepare for her first through hike on the AT versus preparing for the PCT. She hiked straight through the Sierras in a high snowpack year, so of course we geeked out about that. (laughs) We also touched on hiking alone, looking back at thru-hike photos, and the heartache of leaving your tramley after a lash, making a thru-hike work for your budget and schedule. I hope y'all take away as much wisdom as I did from this episode, and that it helps you ring in the new year in a positive way. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us at Podcast Here on Instagram, at Trail Name Here on Instagram, and at Facebook.com slash Trail Name Here, or my website, TrailNameHere.com. You can find our guest today at underscore Teddy, T-E-D-D-Y, B27, the, number two, the numbers 2 and 7. I hope y'all do connect with us. I love hearing from my community. I love hearing what you think about the show. If you're using Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I would love to hear what you think, and it helps other listeners find our show as well. Share the show with your friends. You can share from Spotify to your Instagram stories if you really want to, or you can share one of our episodes from our feed. All right, without further ado, here is... My trail name is Big Money. Um, I hiked the AT in 2017 and 2018. I did, um, I flipped, so I did the northern half in 2017 and then went and did the southern half in 2018. And then I did um, the Vermont Long Trail, and this year I finished the PCT. 
Nice. You've done a lot. It feels like a lot, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do next? (laughs) (laughs) Triple crown? Oh, it's on the list. Nice. nice. That's great. Um, Cool. So wait, you said you did the AT first. Yes. Um, How, what, do you remember like what it was like to prepare for that? Yeah. Um, so I told people that I was going to hike the trail when I graduated college and it was kind of just my go-to thing when people were like, what are your plans for when you graduate? (laughs) I was like, uh, I'm going to hike this trail. And I had zero experience and had no real like reason for that to like, everyone was like, really you, you're going to do that. (laughs) Um, and so like, it just got to the point where I was getting, to second semester senior year and I was like all right I told everyone I'm gonna do this I have to get my shit together and now I have to do it <laughs> so I like started buying stuff and I didn't really know what I was doing at least like 10 pounds worth of stuff I didn't need <laughs> I did like it was stupid <laughs> um but I just um tried to like read as much as I could I bought some maps really early um and then realized that that was stupid and I just needed the AWOL guide. Like I wasn't going to pull out a big ass map every time. <laughs> like that was stupid. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of getting all this stuff together and a lot of like books and blogs and such that I read, people were saying things like, you just kind of have to go and you don't have to be in shape. You get in shape while you're out there. And like, I'm not really a person who plans a lot in general. I'm more of like, a, I'm just going to go for it. And if it doesn't work out, then like, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I was very, I feel like while I was anxious, I wasn't as anxious as I could have been going out there. Cause I, I had read all these other stories about people who didn't know what they were doing and they made it. So I was like, I'll probably make it. Like, yeah. What are the odds? I don't. And if I don't, I'll just go home. Like, it's not the end of the world, but I'd like to make it. And then <laughs> I just loved it. It was so much fun. And I met amazing people and it really like I mean it it's challenging for sure through hiking I mean yes I think through hiking is very challenging but if you look (laughs) at it like very basically like it's not that hard to Mm -hmm. just walk every day so I think that was part of it was being on the AT being surrounded by so many amazing people and all I had to do was get up and like walk it it made it easy to do it yeah that's absolutely I, I completely agree with that statement that's very true I think in comparison, like, yeah, there's a lot of mental things that you go through, but when it comes down to, like, what you're actually doing through hiking, it's just, yeah, it's not that hard. It's just kind of, like, deciding how much shit you can put up with, because yeah. if you're someone who doesn't like a lot of the things you're going to have to deal with, like, there was a certain point, because you hike the AT, you know that it's just wet all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, My first 20 days, just water. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Yeah. That's I was very fortunate that I admit I didn't get that much water, but it definitely um I mean in the Shenandoahs we did for sure. But like at first when I started hiking and everything would get wet, it would like stress me out because I didn't want my wet stuff to touch my dry stuff. I didn't know where to put everything and like just it was stupid. And then after a period of time I got to a realization and I was like, Yeah, everything is wet right now, but tomorrow everything might dry. Yeah. The sun will come out and yeah. like it's wet. But everything that's getting wet is stuff that, like, can get wet, and it's fine, and it will dry. Like, at some point, things won't be wet anymore. And once I got into that mindset of, like, it sucks right now, it probably won't suck later. Mm-hmm. It kind of helped make everything a little bit a little bit easier. So it's just dealing, like, trying to figure out how much 
of this sucks now you can deal with Mm -hmm. I kind of wish that that's something that was easier to bring back to like civilization with you yeah I have such a hard time with that in like quote-unquote real life yeah and I don't know I I know obviously from firsthand experience that the hard shit and the like yeah it sucks right now can only last for so long but I think it's hard on trail I feel like it's so much easier to see further ahead in like in life and in your journey it's also like way more simple but yeah yeah that's right and I say that but like I hate hiking in snow (laughs) I can do it for about a day or maybe a couple of hours and I'm I'm fine but after like the second or third day of being in consistent snow all I can do is bitch about it and I feel so bad for the people who hike with me Mm because I know it's annoying and I try really hard not to but I'm just like so frustrated and so like then I feel bad because I try to like I'll just be quiet like I won't say anything because I know I'm just mad right now and then everyone's like well why are you why are you upset (laughs) and I'm like I just I'm just mad about the snow and I know it's stupid to be mad about the snow so I'm being quiet so no one else has to hear me be mad about the snow (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm the same way with snow I can't handle more than two days my toes can't handle more than two days (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of cold toes this past hike like in the Sierras and then in Washington like oh my god toes are freezing yeah so how let's just skip ahead we'll talk about the AT again (laughs) in a minute how were the Sierras tell me about that experience the Sierras were incredible I think um I mean they were so so beautiful and it's so cool to be able to say that we went straight through on such a high snow year Mm -hmm. um because there were so many people who did flip where they skipped it and came back where they skipped it and they didn't go back. Um, and like mentally and emotionally, I feel very proud of myself and very proud of the people I hiked with and everyone I know who went through the Sierras and just very impressed with everyone. Um, when I was out there, it was, I think that was probably the most challenging section of this trail for me was the Sierras because it was challenging in every single way a thing could be challenging. It was mm. physically taxing because you could only do like a mile per hour in the snow and you didn't really know where the trail was. And most of the time you were just either following footsteps or following footsteps that were going the wrong way. Mm. And sometimes there'd be like three different trails of footsteps and you could see that they all get to the same place. But you know, like one of them is probably really packed down. The other one is going to be just a little bit extra like length for no reason and the next one is just gonna be potholes Mm -hmm. like or post holes the whole way so it was like trying to decipher that and just never knowing where you are or if you were on the right thing and if gut hooks was actually up to date or Mm -hmm. whatnot um and then it was like mentally taxing because you go from doing 26s even like maybe low 30s um I didn't do any low 30s till after this year's but like you go from doing big days in the desert to Mm -hmm. like 12 miles a day in the Sierras and that's just like so disheartening to be like it's gonna take me a month to go 300 miles and Mm -hmm. I just have to be okay with that and like that was my experience but there were obviously other people who were still doing 30s through the Sierras like just badasses who could do it but like it was just very um I mean, I would compare myself to those people, so it was just very mentally taxing being, mm. like, 
why can't I go any faster? I wish I was going faster. I don't feel like a good hiker right now. And then having to remind yourself, like, you're going through the fucking Sierras yeah. right now, like <laughs> on a high snow year. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, you're carrying an ice axe. It doesn't matter how fast you're going. At the end of the day, you're a badass because you even have like, I didn't even know what an ice axe was before this trip. Like oh I God, saw totally. people with it. My only idea was like Yukon Cornelius from Rudolph. Like, <laughs> he had an ice axe. That's, that's what I knew about ice axes. <laughs> like, it was just very, it was just a lot, but it was so, so cool. And I definitely want to go back. I feel like I have unfinished business with the Sierras. I'm hoping to hike um, the JMT this upcoming, That'd be cool. I guess, in like 10 months or so. Mm. I'd really like to do that um, and just get a chance to be out there again, go south, hit some of the passes, hopefully with less snow, and maybe do Whitney again. Like, I'd, I'd really like to go back and kind of have another chance at the Sierras because while it was amazing and – challenging and taxing and all these things it just like I feel like we have some more stuff that we need to figure out together (laughs) yeah yeah for sure that sounds like yeah quite the journey did you feel like when you finished the Sierras did you feel a sense of relief absolutely once we got to Tahoe as soon as like I mean I remember the day Donahue passed like right before no I'm thinking of Carson Carson passed um which was like right before, well, I guess Donahue too, because Donahue was right before Tuami Meadows. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like your quote unquote last big pass that you have to do. And Tuami is um, at Yosemite Valley. So it's just like coming out of the Sierras and you're starting to get to NorCal, but you're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And then you go a little bit past it. And that's sort of when we started running out of snow and there was just little patches of it rather than just constantly snow Mm -hmm. and I think some of the last um big snow that we had was at Carson Pass which was right before Tahoe and so once we we went into Tahoe stayed the night and when we left those like first couple days was just amazing like I mean Tahoe is breathtaking and then it was just it was stunning you could actually move again you could wake up and do miles and you weren't pressed about getting to the next pass in time or um like trying to get to camp before the sun went down so maybe you could dry some stuff like it just all of a sudden became fun hiking again yeah so once we got out of the Sierras and I got a chance to um my group also split up after we left the Sierras and we talked to a few other people who it kind of seems like a lot of people did that this year yeah so I hiked with the same three people um for the first 1100 miles and then when we got to South Lake Tahoe was when like we had our last hurrah in Tahoe and then split um And that was just really cool to get a chance to hike by myself again and Mm. kind of jump into new groups and um, just be myself and be an individual rather than a group. Because I think that was also part of like one of the harder things about the Sierras is that doing river crossings and passes and being in kind of sketchy areas, Mm -hmm. um, you wanted to stay with the people you were hiking with. And I think it differed for a lot of people, but for our group, we pretty much spent all day together and mm-hmm. then we'd camp and then we'd wake up and do it again and we did that for eight days straight so by the end of it we got to mammoth and I was like no offense but I kind of need to not hang out with you guys <laughs> for a little bit like I love you so much but I need some like me space please totally, yeah <laughs> so it was cool to like to be able to do that and then go back out and like finish this year as strong with them and then go and get to have my own hike again and just mm-hmm. kind of do what I wanted to do every day 
and make up my own mileage and stop when I wanted to stop. And it was just really, really nice to be like just an individual again. It was just yeah. cool. That's like so freeing. Just yeah. do what you want, when you want, how you want. Yeah. Oh, I miss that. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, cool. So let's go back to the AT real quick and then we'll, we'll come back. Oh, wait, to the love the we'll flip flop a little. <laughs> how did you decide that you were going to end up splitting up your hike? I didn't intend to initially. Um, so my plan was to southbound the AT, which <laughs> I'm so damn happy I didn't do that. Like, I think it'd be great, but for my first through hike, I think doing Katahdin and mm-hmm. the 100 Mile Wilderness would have killed me. Oh, yeah. I don't think um, I could have started with that, especially with no backpacking experience. Oh, yeah, my gosh. <laughs> quickly would have been dead. Yeah. So, yeah. Just would have quit for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, like, life things happened, and I actually ended up, um, like, I got scammed on some Craigslist thing and I lost like $2,000 oh. and all of a sudden I didn't even have the money to do the hike that I wanted to do. Um, no. So I have family who lives in New Hampshire and I told my parents, I was like, I think I'm just going to walk to New Hampshire because I live, um, I'm from Baltimore, so I live pretty close to Harper's Ferry. It's like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to start in Harper's Ferry. I'm going to walk north. I'm going to get to um, New Hampshire, probably around Hanover and then get off trail, and that'll be about 800 miles, and that'll be my summer trip. And then I started hiking with um, three people who I loved so, so much, and then our group kind of turned into five people who I loved so or just five? Yeah, five of them who I loved so, so much. Um, and once we were, like, that solid group, and we were going, and we got to – I guess we were around Rutland and we saw that sign that was like 500 miles to Katahdin. Mm-hmm. The boys I was with were like, you can't get off in Hanover. Like we're going to be so close. You might as well finish. Yeah. And at that point it was like, you're right. Like I might as well finish. And I was like, well, if I finish, then that means I'm not a lash. That means I've done half the trail and I have to do the other half by a certain date. And then I'll be a through hiker. Mm-hmm. And they were all just kind of like, yeah, so you better do it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, I, so I went to Katahdin with them, and it was amazing. And then at that point, as soon as I got to Katahdin, I knew. I was like, well, I have to go to Springer. I have to finish. Like, mm. this needs – I can't not do it at, now at this point. Um, so it was kind of like those, those guys were the ones who convinced me, and they're the reason that I kept going. Because I think if I had just done 800 miles, um, I probably – because at that point, I – probably would have wanted to like redo the whole trail yeah and yeah. I would have had to redo those 800 miles so getting them to like the fact that they pushed me to just finish it mm-hmm. I mean I don't think it was that hard to convince me at a certain point because I was like yes I love this and I want to <laughs> go to Katahdin like otherwise what's the point of even being out here but right. at the same time it was kind of bittersweet getting to Katahdin and like watching them celebrate the end of their through hike was so I'm so grateful that I got to see to see that, to see them finish and see how happy they were. And um, it was just so special. And knowing that I got to be just like a small part of their hike was so cool. And then it was so inspiring because I was like, damn, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish and I'm going to get to have the same feeling that they have. It was like infectious. I was like, oh, mm. damn, like I want to be a through hiker, like through and through full on through hiker. So that was, that was really cool. Otherwise, I think if I had just gone south, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have finished it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of 
a lot of through hiking is about the people that you're with. Like the trails. Oh my gosh, yeah. The trails are amazing. They'll instill stuff in you that you never could have learned any other way. And you'll get an amazing experience even if you are alone most of the time. But like the people truly make it. I don't think I would have done a 22 mile day if I wasn't with another person. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Or like a 30 mile day over Mount Washington. Who the fuck does that? (laughs) Nobody just walks out and does that. You do it because you're with another person or you're running away from something. <laughs> we did a one mile day over Mount Washington. <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly. It was it was so good, but so we were just classic our our tramley name was the Hooligans and we were classic hooligans. Because we woke <laughs> up at Lake of the Clouds, we stayed at the hut and we did um we did work for stay, but initially me and my friend Newt had paid to sleep in like the little dungeon type thing they mm-hmm. let hikers sleep in yeah and we walked down there and I like, I was like cry laughing because it was this tiny little room with like a bunk bed with not a like with no mattress it was freezing I was like I can't sleep here like I'll die <laughs> it's, this is the I can't believe I was like in disbelief that they charged us money to sleep in this little room I know it's I crazy like, what <laughs> we like did work for say and we woke up and we walked to Washington and it was so damn cold like so cold and it wasn't raining it wasn't snowing or anything but we were in a cloud so we were just damp yeah it's just just moist everywhere Mm -hmm. and none of us had um the ironic part was like all of our warm clothes basically was in gorum so we had to just get through this really exposed hard section of the trail (laughs) and then we'd get to our warm clothes but it was so cold that we couldn't do it we just sat there and watched the weather report once we got to Washington, we like watched it just go downhill, like forty mile per hour winds, and it was like thirty degrees outside. We were like, I don't know if we could do this, so we ended up having to like bail off when we went to North Conway. And of course, it was like the most beautiful day down below the mountains. It oh, was it so always frustrating. Is. Yeah, totally. And then we went back up the next day and tried again, but that one day we did like a mile, and we were like, okay, now what? <laughs> Oops, <laughs> that's great. So you hiked with Hendrix. I did, yeah. Nice. I hiked with General nice. Hendrix. He was great. He's I interviewed boy. him. Well, you probably know. Yeah, I interviewed him. Yeah, um, he's the best. Very early on. He's great. He's had a lot of experiences. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's one of the most insane human beings I've ever met because he just doesn't give a shit. Like, his his tolerance for the shit that he'll put up with is so low. that Or so, I guess, so high. Yeah. Which is so cool. That's why I think he's such an accomplished thru-hiker is that he just, like he we cowboy camped on mount killington and he slept in a 55 degree bag on mount killington yeah wild and we were like i was with my friend six and we were like hiding behind a rock trying to get out of the like the wind and hendrix is just full on on top of the rocks wind blowing doesn't give a shit like just sleeping and in the morning he's like oh yeah no i slept fine it was great and we were like what He's the best. We're hoping to, um, he's going to hike the Arizona Trail in March. So I'm hoping to do the Arizona Trail next year, but maybe go out and do like a week with him this year. That would be so cool. cool. Yeah, I definitely, I never thought about doing the Arizona Trail until I got done with the AT and I was thinking like, I really want to do the PCT, but I just can't commit to that. But I could do a shorter trail or a section of a shorter trail or something. And then I was like, oh this is a good taste. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, Absolutely. Definitely in the future, for sure. So 
when you went out the second time, you basically at that point had your gear dialed in, right? Yeah, I got a, a fair amount of new gear. Well, I guess the most the main thing I did was I got a new pack. Um, so I hiked the first section with an Osprey kite. It was like a 46 liter pack, I think. Um, just like a little one. Cause I went to get the Exos cause everything I read was everyone has this Exos yeah, pack. That's it's what the I best did. thing in the world. Yeah. And so I went for it and it didn't fit me. They didn't like, they didn't make one small enough for me cause I'm pretty short. Mm. And I was like, okay, well now what are there other ones? And, um, so I got the Osprey kite, which was a great pack. I liked it a lot. I wish the hip pockets were a little bit bigger, but mm-hmm. um, I switched that. I got the Mountain Laurel Designs Profit, um, which is a frameless pack, and I got it without a hip belt because I didn't really think I would pack it too much, like pack it too heavy, um, which most of the time I was fortunate enough that I didn't. Uh, so I think that was the main thing I switched was my pack. I kept the same tent and quilt and um, – Thermo rest and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So you did the whole second half without a hip belt. Did you do that on the PCT as well? Yeah, I didn't have a hip belt for the PCT. Wow, um, that didn't so, bother you? No, the, I mean the only time it was really challenging was in the Sierras because you had the bear cans. Mm-hmm. So like it was just kind of it made the whole balance of my pack kind of just off kilter. So sometimes I'd be like climbing over something. And my pack would swing to one side, and I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> I thought I was going to fall, but I never did. It was, I mean, I did, but not because of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. Sometimes what's funny is that, like, the most amount of food I ever carried was eight days, and that was in the Sierras. And it was definitely really heavy when we first left, but some days it'd be, like, four days worth of food was the worst pain I've ever felt like in in my pack so heavy but then other times I'd carry like five days or like six days and it was completely fine wow so it was it was weird that it would go back and forth like that so like my shoulders were definitely sore Mm -hmm. towards the end of it but I mean I don't think my body in general is as sore from the PCT as it is from the AT like I got off the AT after doing 1200 miles and my whole body was shot. Like my mm-hmm. knees were always sore. I would stand up and would like yell because it hurt so badly. Yeah. But from this trail, like I haven't had any of that even a, like not That's, even really a little bit. It's a lot more gradual, right? And you're not like yeah rock scrambling 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like I think the PCT is more challenging in certain ways, but I think physically taxing, like the AT really, really got to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is just like in the Northern section of the AT, you gain a thousand feet in one mile versus on the PCT. We'd be like, Oh, this, we're going to have 3000 feet of elevation gain. It was like, Oh shit. Over how many miles? It's like 15. (laughs) Like, Oh, what? (laughs) That's, cool great let's go that sounds fun yeah (laughs) yeah it was nice damn wow I've definitely heard that like I've heard that the elevation gains are easier and like all around physically it's easier aside from dealing with the heat to start out but like yeah I feel like that's something you can only really grasp when you've done it (laughs) yeah and it um like, sometimes it'd get annoying, though, just to be, like, I've been walking uphill for so many miles. Yeah. Like, and they're not hard. It's just frustrating. Just like, climbing. I just don't 
I just don't want to do this anymore. Like I'd rather like just be flat or going down now or something. It was really funny to hear people um, funny and like frustrating at the same time. Cause I've met a fair amount of people who would just talk shit about the AT, but only <laughs> half of the people talking shit had actually hiked the AT. It's like and people like, on the internet who've never hiked that like yeah. troll you. <laughs> I was like, okay, how are you going to sit here and say all like, just talk smack about this trail that you've never been on. Right. Like, just go for it, dude. Like, I talk shit about the PCT, but, like, three years before I even got on the AT. But that was because I genuinely – I was like, the desert? Pfft, that sounds hard. I would never. <laughs> but, like, now I low-key was like, the desert? Sort of hard, but let's go back. Like, <laughs> I miss the desert so much. That's so cool. I've never hiked in a desert before. I'm it's really interested amazing. in that. I loved it. Did you see any scorpions and stuff? I know no. that's probably like the dumb, the silly question. but Not at all. Other people did, but I didn't see them. I saw some rattlesnakes, but um, I cowboy camped for most of the desert with wow. my friends. Yeah, we just had like little cuddle puddles and would sleep like all four of us in a row on the ground. Um, that is so cool. And I just never really saw anything like too, too spooky in mm. the desert. I saw my first rattlesnake on the AT yeah. and I, <laughs> I just like froze. I had no idea what to do. I was like about to step on it and it rattled and I took like two steps back, but then I just stared at it and my friends were like, what are you doing? Back the fuck up. <laughs> oh my God. I was so scared. I like called my mom after and was like, Hi, I'm just calling to tell you that I love you and I almost died. Uh, I saw a rattlesnake. And my mom is like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Dude, I know that feeling. It was so oh funny. I feel like now it's like, yeah, it's probably fine. And, you know, I have a spot, yeah. like, GPS thing. So if I really did get bitten by a rattlesnake, I have the insurance and I will probably yeah. likely not die. But... <laughs> I was very fortunate to hike with other people that had spots because I did not take one. Um, I don't think that it was necessary at all. I feel like on the AT, there's so there's so many roads. You're so close to so, town. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a really cool way that it's cool that it's such like you can go out and be in the backcountry. And then, like, 30 miles away is a little town. Yeah, totally. I you also get a think... lot of wilderness for how close you are to civilization. Oh, yeah. And even even in the scenarios where, like, what happened last year with the, like, violence on the AT. Yeah, that was crazy. Even in most of those situations, you wouldn't have even been able to get to your spot to do something about what was happening. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. it's like, even when people point out those types of scenarios, it's like, Unless you're constantly wearing it all the time, you're not – like, I kept mine in my brain because I didn't use it. I wouldn't have even yeah. been able to reach it. So it was kind of, like, expensive and heavy, and it auto-renews your subscription, which I didn't know. So I still yeah. have an active spot right now <laughs> a year and a half later. <laughs> um, apparently Just you can – case. Yeah, right? <laughs> you can, like, change your subscription to get roadside assistance, which I – probably will activate because I already have the device I'll probably do that like once I start oh, cool. going on van trips because you'll be without self-service and if you get stuck like and no one's around I don't know seems yeah. unlikely but might be worth $20 I don't know my friend <laughs> used her spot to like text her mom something one time 
because we were all intending to get to um to get into a certain town by like a Friday night or something and I got to town and I hadn't seen my friends since Wednesday and I was like I don't know where they are I hope they also made it into town mm. and I finally got service and I had a text from my friend's mom and she was like hey just so you know she texted me on her spot like she's 20 miles from town they're gonna camp in the snow and it scared the crap out of me to get this text from her mom I was like oh my god she died like what happened <laughs> like, I was geeking. I was so scared. And then I, I just saw that and they were fine. And I was just like, oh, my God, my friends, <laughs> be careful. It's cold. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I did use it to, like, send a message to my mom every night. But for the most part, I had service. Like, I could have just texted her my location. Yeah, that's one of the big differences, I think, between the AT and the PCT was there are certain parts, I feel like, in the desert and in NorCal. I had service a fair amount of time, maybe Oregon a little bit too. Mm. Um, uh, maybe like half, like Southern Oregon, I had a fair amount of service. But for a large portion of the trail, like I didn't have service or I never had good enough service. And I feel like on the AT, there was always this idea of like, oh, I just got to the top of something. Let me pull yeah. out my phone and see if I have service. Or, oh, I just got to camp. Let me pull out my phone and see if I have service. But mm-hmm. on the PCT, there were a lot more times I would get to a view and I wouldn't even think to pull out my phone because every time I pull out my phone, I don't have service. So it was cool to be like super immersed in it. But then there were some times that it was like, this is so goddamn frustrating. (laughs) I just need a little bit of bars to make sure this hostel has space for when we get to town. Yeah. And you just never could. You're Mm. like, ah. (laughs) It's, It's like kind of attractive to me in that way. Because I think... I know that I am in some ways addicted to my phone. Yeah. But I think it, as a culture, we, we kind of force it at a certain point. Yeah, totally. And like the things, the things that I do, like all of the creative things that I do, it is nearly impossible to get funding and to get paid for my job without exhibiting it in some way on social media. So I'm constantly like battling the, I don't know what people are thinking of me and whether or not I'm displaying my work well enough and whether or not I'm putting out enough and whether like all of that stuff, like, I don't know. It, it becomes a like habitual thing. I am like always thinking about it. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. Every time I can get out in the woods and not have my phone work and like force me to not look at it. I mean, I know I can turn my phone off. I'm well aware do I turn my phone off? Not really, ever. <laughs> Sometimes, occasionally. <laughs> On trail, yeah. I do. But, yeah, it's very interesting. I am I would – ooh, I want to do the PCT, like, right now. Let's go. Let's just turn our phones I'm off and go. about it. <laughs> yes. I want to be out there so badly, but I'm also – like, it was so funny when we got to the border because you have the option of – like going into Canada it's an eight mile hike or you have to turn around and do 30 miles south and I did not get the permit to go into Canada so I had to turn around Mm. Um, but one of my friends she well only one of my friends from the group that I finished with got her Canadian entry permit she was like fuck you guys I'm going to Canada so yeah she walked on by herself and she turned around and she goes I'm an inside girl now and now I just think about that all the time I'm like wow I really like being an inside girl, but I also kind of miss being an outside girl. <laughs> like, totally. I could do that. Totally. I think it's interesting. I go for, like, weekend trips now a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And every time I'm out there, I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. I love this so much. How did I forget how much I loved this? Yeah. And then you get like to the end and I just stand there like half a mile from the car and I'm just like, why do I have to go back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's sometimes when I think about the weekend trip and I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to do this or like, oh, I'm too depressed to do this or uh, I have to sit in the car for four and a half hours to get to this trailhead. But then I do it and I'm like, why was I agonizing about anything? This is the yeah. best. <laughs> and I come home, like reset, like I have all these amazing ideas. You have to hear them. I have to tell anyone who will listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. But I don't know. I just like, even weekend trips are amazing and helpful. And I'm really glad that I get the opportunity to do them at least once a month. But like, Oh, there is just nothing like living out there forever. Yeah. Well, for the foreseeable forever. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like forever when you're out there because I feel like you get so like into it mm-hmm. that you kind of forget what life is like not be like living like that. Totally. It's also and kind it, of crazy when you come home and you just like slip back into it. You're like, oh, I guess I'll shower every day again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the craziest part. I went back to the job that I had before I left for trail, which wasn't my intended purpose, but I also spent way more money on trail than I meant to, so I kind of needed to. Yep. And I was telling someone that I feel like my my last day was in April, and I've come back now, and it's mid-November, and it it felt like it was just the the next day in April. I was like, wow, nothing has changed. (laughs) This is crazy that, like, I come back and it's just like this is what it was before I left and it's so funny to like because obviously things had changed like there are new people working there and certain managers are different and like all this stuff but at the same time it's like the same yeah but like the place kept going well like the fact that you leave and like Mm -hmm. I went and I was out west for five months but my friends' lives were still going on here and, like, they were going through things and I came back and, like, all this stuff had happened and all that stuff had happened and, like, at work, this and that happened. But at the same time, like, nothing is different. Yeah. Like, so much happened, but nothing is different. And that's, like, that's the type of shit that freaks me out the most. I'm, like, do we notice it when we're living it? Like, do we notice that stuff is happening but, like, our day-to-day is kind of all the same? I call it the malaise. (laughs) The malaise. You just fall into it and I it gets me too because when you're like in a house and you're in a stable world and you have nothing to worry about you lose sight like you literally can't see the sky you lose sight of the future yeah I don't know why that's how it works for me at least but I think it's kind of fuel for the idea of not giving a fuck yeah which I have yet to fully latch on to uh it's kind of hard but like when you realize that nothing ever exactly changes and you can have the same day over and over and over and nobody else really cares or notices like that's when you know you don't actually need to give a fuck (laughs) I like to I've been trying to embrace uh positive nihilism like when my friend like one of my friends will tell you that whenever I get super, super stressed about something on trail or even like in real life, I do the same thing. I just stop and I go, literally nothing matters. Like nothing, this small thing that I'm freaking out about right now, it literally doesn't matter. Mm. In two minutes, in 10 years, it won't, it literally, like it doesn't matter. (laughs) And it's just like a positive way to be like, 
I'm stressing out about something that is going to have zero impact on my life, like the actual part, like, and it's not formative to my life, so it doesn't matter, and I don't need to be stressed out about it, and, like, yeah, maybe right now it'll define the, like, amount of happiness I'm going to have for the next two hours, but, like, it literally doesn't matter. Honestly, I feel like that could go two ways, like, you're using it in a positive way, and it's incredible, and it's, like, boosting, and it's fine, and you can just let go of things, but then on the other hand, I feel like you could have a full-on existential crisis out of it. <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about that, that part of it. Don't think about that side. Yeah, it's not a just thing. The, just the positive side of it. I'm like, yeah, nothing matters. Woohoo! And then it's funny because one of my best, best <laughs> friends is a philosophy major, and like she goes into these existential crises all the time, and it's so, like, mm-hmm. not it's so funny, but it's it's really interesting because she's a philosophy major, so she has a lot of different viewpoints about it than I do. Or, like, than I have. She's way more educated in it than I am. And she will, like, will go back and forth about it. I'll be like, nothing matters. And she's like, at all, ever. And I'm like, wow, whoa. <laughs> that's, that's dark. Get out of your hole. <laughs> like, wait, not that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I was a philosophy minor in college, and that was me. Like, 100%. Every time I yeah. read a new theory, I was like, oh, God, how am I going to incorporate this with all the other ones? I'm going to have another crisis. <laughs> But after that, I graduated and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to law school. And one of my philosophy, like I I took all my philosophy classes with this one person and he was like, are you, are you sure that's what you want (laughs) to do? Do you really want to? (laughs) You're crazy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So when you came home, I mean, actually, when you came home from every hike, did you experience post-trail depression did it get better with each hike like talk to me about that um I definitely did the first one I think I got it the most um when I got off the AT the first time I came home for about a month a month and a half maybe and then I moved to Utah I lived um, just outside of Park City but I worked in Park City and I I think what made it worse was that I had completely removed myself from my home and my friends and my family and like all of my comforts kind of to move to Utah. And I went because my cousin was living out there and I moved in with my cousin um, and his fiance and another kid that we worked with. And it, it was cool to, I mean, I went because I was like, you're going to regret not going more than you're going to regret going. And if you go and you hate it, you can just leave. Like right. that's, you have that option. Um, and I only stayed until April and then I came back East and went on the AT again. So I think, um, I think that was probably the hardest, but that was mostly hard because it was just, I mean, maybe that was just regular depression. I really couldn't say. <laughs> it was a little bit of both. It was, it yeah, was a also, it's also a little column B. We like come home from trail typically when like right before seasonal depression normally would hit. So if you like already get seasonal affective disorder every year anyway, then you're just like compounding it. And it's like, who's to say is post-trail depression actual depression? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that year um, really did it. Coming off the long trail, I don't think I got too much. Um, But at the same time, I think because every time I I go hiking – um, I know that I'm going hiking. Or every time I come home from hiking, I know I'm going hiking again relatively soon. Mm. Um, 
So like when I got off the AT the second time when I finished in 2018, that was really hard because I like got off trail and I went home and I went to work, but all my friends I was hiking with kept going. Yeah. And so I like saw them still going and I was like, oh, I know where you are. And now it was like all the stuff I was familiar with. So I had all these flashbacks and nostalgia from going mm. through it with the hooligans. And then I watched my friends go through it and I was like, oh, I wish I was there to tell you about this time and do this and that. And like, it was, that was really hard to watch. But then I had this whole other part of like, and then in September, I'm going to be in Vermont and I can't wait to be in Vermont. Like mm. I was, I loved, 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 loved Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine. It was some of my favorite sections of the trail. And um, to be able to go back there and to go solo hike on the long trail was really cool and then to get onto those 100 miles that's concurrent with the AT like even just those 100 miles I had flashbacks from when I was there with my friends and I went to the Yellow Deli again and like I zeroed at the Yellow Deli just because I could and because I love the Yellow Deli (laughs) I was like I want to I wish my friends were here but um yeah so I think just knowing that I've always had something lined up kind of makes it a little bit easier Mm-hmm. And even now, like, while I I think it's gotten better since I'm more into, like, a routine and I have a job and, and whatnot, um, I still get really – I kind of, like, put off looking through all my photos for a very long time. And even now, I don't look through them that much because it does make me so sad. Mm. Um, I have a hard time looking at my photos as well. Yeah. It kind of, like, like grabs my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> squeezes it. Exactly. It makes it, like – it's a mix of it makes my heart so full and it makes my heart ache so much that yeah. I'm like this was some of the best times of my life like and I got to share it with my friends and I love them so much and like it just sucks that they're all so far away like most of them live um out west or like down like just none of them live near me the closest ones live in Philly which isn't that far but mm-hmm. it's not that close yeah <laughs> so just and makes I- me miss them it's hard to have relationships with people that you started in the most natural way in person and try to continue them like through the phone. It is not the same. It's so different. And everyone has like different schedules and Mm. lives now. And it's like, no, no. Do you remember when we just lived outside? (laughs) That was cool. When everything was simple. Let's go back to that. (laughs) I'm tired. Let's go back. (laughs) We joke about it all the time. We joked a lot about getting like a Walmart five person tent and all sleeping in it. Um, And literally the other day, one of the guys in my group sent a, like a marmot tent is on sale and it's like, a hundred bucks for like a four person or something (laughs) or like an eight person I don't know it's something ridiculous and he was like guys should I buy it and we're all like yeah like now please let's go back that's so great wow that's so funny so what are you doing what's your job what are you doing for work I work um for a restaurant company in Baltimore and they own five restaurants and two wine stores and so I'm a, ma- a part-time manager at one of the restaurants, which is what I was doing before I left for trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was full-time before I left for trail, but I'm doing part-time managing right now. And then I'm a marketing assistant. So this part of the job is new to me. I'm working um, part-time doing all the social media for two of the five restaurants, not all the social media, but mm-hmm. a, a good portion of the social media for two of the five restaurants. And then doing a little bit for the other three as well. Nice. Um, that is a viable skill. 
Yeah, I like it. It's been good so far. It's kind of um it's kind of stressful just because like every post I post, I'm nervous that it's not good. Yeah, and social like, media what is so this stressful. Wrong? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I did social media management when I first got back from trail cuz I was trying to like succeed at freelancing and social media for sure pays some of the best like fees, but mm-hmm damn is it stressful and hard and you like always have to be on like always you're online every day and oh yeah yeah that's been a lot of like like today I'm off but I know that I have to go check the Instagrams and like see if anyone's responded to things so Mm. I can respond to them and I'm like I don't want to like I do and I like it and it is like there is a sense of accomplishment when you post something and someone responds really positively to it I'm like wow that's me that's me and it's really cool, but at the same time, it's like when they don't, then it's like, oh, man, that's me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I feel like there's a lot of people who would have positive feedback about it, but they just like it. You know what I mean? Like, they don't comment. Yeah. But when there's negative feedback, you get, like, 15 comments that are negative yeah. and, like, one positive one. And it's like, this doesn't balance out, but I know <laughs> it's not real, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and gosh. it's different because it's not, like, most of the social media I've done, it's been my own. So, mm-hmm. like it's new to try to market something other than myself, but on a platform that I'm so used to using so personally and casually so just trying to balance it. Yeah. Yeah. Like posting stupid shit. That's just like me and my friends. And now I'm like, no, no, these are middle-aged people who have strong opinions. Like I need to post appropriately. Mm, yeah, totally. Wow. That's really interesting. That's an interesting transition yeah, like too. It. Yeah. So, Can I ask you, like, a kind of, I don't know. I guess money is very stigmatized in our country. Can I ask you about money? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. So how did you – do you just, like, save up for your through hikes? How do you go about it? Yeah. So I I moved to Utah after the first hike. Um, But since then, whenever I'm not hiking, I've been living with my parents in Baltimore. Mm. Um. So they charge me a very low rent, which is very kind of them. And I appreciate it a lot because it allows me to save up. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I went back to this job is because they did give me a raise to come back, which um, I feel kind of like cheeky talking about. It. I'm like, haha, they wanted me so much. They gave me a raise. But I'm also <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> like not like in a cocky way, but like a little bit, I guess. Yeah. But like, also, um, this is really valuable and I need it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. also like, thank you so much. Yeah. And I joked to my friends. I was like, yeah, I have no backbone. Like, like I was so adamant that I wasn't going to go back. So the fact that I went back because of the money, I feel kind of bad about it. But at the same time, um, like, I do like the people I work with. Like, I do like my job. There are other aspects besides just the money, but that was a big factor of it because I know that I'm planning for more hikes mm-hmm. um, and I want to be able to save up for it. But that's honestly all I've done is, like, I try to make sure that I'm very fearful of the mindset of needing to save money and prep for something that you're going to do that's going to make you really happy and something you really like. And I try to focus on enjoying my time that I'm not through hiking instead of just being sad and looking forward to hiking. I'm trying to be like, I want to be happy now. Mm. And then later I'm going to still be happy. So I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm really frugal with my money. I still go out with my friends. I still go buy like little coffees and stuff like that. Um, I definitely could be more frugal with my money. I <laughs> probably should be to a certain extent, but couldn't we all? I really don't <laughs> think I do 
too much other than living at home is just the biggest factor. Like I still pay my phone and car payment, car insurance, like all the the regular things that I think people pay. I just am very fortunate to have a low rent from living mm-hmm. at home and not having to buy groceries, obviously. Yeah. Um, and working in a restaurant is great because I get to eat a lot of food for free there, which is cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, of course. I don't know. I know when I started, I was like, how the fuck are people paying for this? Yeah. Because <laughs> when I first started looking into it, I was like, oh, this should be really cheap. We're just going to go camping for a long time. And then right. I started looking at gear and talking to people. And one guy told me he spent eight grand on his hike. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I definitely think you can. It just depends on how much you're going to drink when you're in town. That is so true. Like alcohol and like buying food, honestly. Also, I took more zeros than I really should have. Yeah. Um, I took a lot on the PCT, like a lot more on the PCT than I did on the AT. Ugh, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but like some of them, I feel like part of the reason why we took so many, and I've told my friends this, I kind of explained it to them. The only thing that I really regret from the PCT is how many zero days I took in the desert. And like not even zero days, but just like we stayed in hotels most of the time. Mm. And on the AT, that wasn't a thing that I did. Yeah. Mostly because it costs money and the people I was hiking with, like, we preferred to be frugal or stay in hostels or, like, mm-hmm. the AT also, I feel like, offers more, um, a lot of the towns offer more free camping or free campsites or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, like, there's a campsite just out of town so you can easily just zero yeah. in your tent, like, go to town and get food and then zero in your tent. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like there were more options. Um, So I think the other thing was, like, because there was so much snow in the Sierras, we needed to kind of slow down mm-hmm. and take those zeros so that we didn't get there too early. Yeah. Um, but that's like the only thing I really regret from that is how much, just how much money I spent staying in hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. I think that's where, that's what ate most of my money on the PCT. But on the AT, it was definitely like drinking in town. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think for me it was hotels on the AT, for sure. Because when I first started, like, I'd never stayed in a hostel. I wasn't hiking with anybody, really. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how much things were supposed to cost or that I could just, like, yeah. I didn't even know that you could take a zero in your tent. Like, obviously you can, and obviously that's an option. But, like, stealth camping was scary when I started. Like, it was just a yeah. whole new world to me. So I don't, like... I'm not hard on myself about it, but I definitely think, like, strategy-wise, I would have left a little bit later and not stayed in as many hotels, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What would you – what is your advice for, like, an aspiring thru-hiker? Um, I think just decide you want to do it and then do it, which sounds so – I mean, it sounds it sounds a little entitled, but <laughs> I think I think essentially it's because part of all of my hikes, and I think part of why it's so exciting to me that I was able to accomplish them is because I was waiting for someone to stop me or tell me I couldn't go. Like every time, um, when I got off the AT the second time, I kept saying I was going to do the long trail in September. Once I got like once I got home, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the long trail next. Mm-hmm. And I said it and I said it and then it was like mid-August and someone asked me when I was leaving and I was like, oh shit, I'm at, I can do that. I can go. Like no one's telling me I can't go. Right. I just have to plan it and do it. So I think it's just deciding. And one of my favorite 
um, I don't know if you know who Early Bird is. She just yeah. got the yeah, yeah. So I met her um, in the Smokies in on the AT, um, and I think she's a super wonderful human being. And she has she knows Jennifer Far Davis through the Green Mountain Club, mm-hmm. um, and she was telling me that when she talked to her, to Jennifer about through hiking she was like honestly you just have to prioritize it like choose that this is a thing that's important to you prioritize it and do it Mm -hmm. and ever since early bird like relayed that message to me it's just something I've thought about where I think about the other things I want to do in my life like settle down or like meet someone or buy land or a house or something like there are things that I also want to do but at this point in my life through hiking is the priority mm-hmm. because I know that I don't have those things holding me back and I don't have um, a lot of responsibilities that require me to stay in one place for more than eight months at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's just choosing that I want to be a through hiker, choosing that this is the thing that I want to be doing right now and prioritizing it. So I think if you're thinking about it at all and you're like, I might do it. I might not. I don't know, but I kind of want to like, just think about your priorities and think about, are there things that are keeping you in one spot right now? Do you have the time to branch out and travel or do you want to branch out and travel, but maybe this isn't the thing you want to do. Maybe you want to be out here for like a month or two months and then go somewhere else. Like it's just choosing what is important to you. And if this is it, then prioritize it and you can do it because no one's going to stop you but you. Yes. That is great advice. The biggest takeaway from this episode for me was the last 15 minutes. Tessa gave three incredible tips. Firstly, she mentioned her determination to be happy in real life and on trail, instead of waiting for her through hikes to be happy, which I am so guilty of. Secondly, she told me a phrase that she likes to use to keep herself grounded in the moment. Literally, nothing matters. To me, this was something that used to give me an existential crisis with a side of hopelessness. (laughs) But when she explained it to me her way, I felt like I should get it tattooed on my freaking arm. The last tip was about how she's managed to do so many hikes and plans to do many more. She prioritizes. I really wish that I knew more about prioritizing before my first through hike because, gosh, it just probably would have changed my life. She also mentioned something that I think women especially often forget. It's that no one is going to give you permission. And people might tell you you can't do it, but it isn't in their control whether you do it or not. You don't have to wait for permission from anybody. All you have to do is prioritize this yourself. You have to save the money to do it or feel like going into credit card debt instead. (laughs) And you have to make the time and you have to be ready to take the risks in quitting your job or asking for leave or altogether committing to freelancing like me. Um, Yeah, you just have to prioritize and you just have to do it. And that's your choice. And it sounds so simple and so ridiculous as if I'm like omitting some kind of like technicality or rules but it's not it is as simple as that and I 
if you told me that again if you told me these things two years ago three years ago I, I wouldn't have believed you it doesn't feel it didn't feel true then and now that I have prioritized and made things happen I've moved to another state I've started a podcast I started freelancing I start, I did a through hike and I did those things because I prioritized them I learned very quickly when I started trying to work for an MLM that prioritizing is all you need to do to spend money that you feel like you don't have. You do have it and you can find it somewhere else and if you don't have it, you again can find it somewhere else if you work hard enough and you're creative enough. Anyway, if you need advice on taking risks and prioritizing, feel free to hit me up. <laughs> I'm still working on it. I'm still learning and it's a real process of growth. I'm glad I got to talk to Tessa for this episode. I feel like this is exactly the advice that we all needed to ring in the new year and go for those through hikes we've all been dreaming about or van life or that job that you, that you do want but don't have or living with your parents to save money. Whatever your motivation is, whatever you're prioritizing this year, I want to hear about it. So leave me a comment on my Instagram page or on my Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to find out what you're doing this year. If you want to support the show, please subscribe, review, and share. The link to donate is in the description. If every listener donated just $1, the show would be funded for an entire year. Lastly, you can subscribe on social media to find out when new episodes will be. I know my posting schedule has been pretty hectic because I've been focusing on freelancing but I am trying to get more regular about it. <laughs> so please subscribe. Podcast here is sponsored by Freiburg Motors and you, our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with another episode in the new year. I also plan on doing a one-year anniversary episode, and I'm thinking about starting a series where I just talk to you without a guest. We'll see how that is received. Let me know what you think about it. Again, you can contact me on Insta, on my website, or on Facebook.